By watching or listening to this show, you are acknowledging that you are of legal age to purchase and consume cannabis in your region. This production is for adults only. Welcome to the Cannabis 101 Podcast, part of the Cannabis Life Experience. Your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Join us on this journey and adventure with the wonderful plant. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode 95, hour one of the Cannabis 101 podcast. My name is Dean Millard and it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. And this is episode 95 and um, other than the hour two that is going to come out on Wednesday and uh, some one hitters, this is going to be it for a while uh, for the Cannabis 101 podcast. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, I need to take some time off to concentrate on uh, another part of my career, uh, building the Ultimate Fantasy League baseball platform uh, on the blockchain, on the Zillica blockchain with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. If you're into fantasy sports, if you're into the blockchain and cryptocurrency, check out uffsports.com and find out what we have going on there. Um, We'll still be doing some cannabis-related stuff on Relevant. Uh, it's an app. Download it today, R-E-L-E-V-N-T. Head to Weedipedia, and then the Cannabis 101 podcast vibe is where you can find us. We'll be doing some live audio chats, but I'll let you know about all of that as we roll along the program here today. Uh, but as we do, and only uh, one more time after this uh, to do this uh, for the next little while, so I'm going to really enjoy it. Uh, let's find out just what's your groove. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Can you dig it? Kind of grabs you by the boo boo, don't it? Pipe in a crate, long in a blitz. This is great. This is the bee's knees. So when I say what's your groove, when I ask what's your groove, um, if you're listening to this uh, for the first time or uh, maybe you skipped over this part last time, if you're listening to this show or watching this show and you got anything going cannabis related, I would love to hear about it. Now, here's the thing. Anytime you chime in on anything to do with the show, you're entered into the draw. So if you chime in with what you're grooving with, if you chime in on the cannabis question, you get two entries into the prize draw. And we have some really cool things from PAX to give away all this month. So the, this is the last show. Uh, so what we haven't uh, give away is going to be a bonus massive prize pack. Um, we're going to have more details about it on Wednesday uh, on episode, on hour number two. But we're going to throw as much into this week's prizes as we possibly can. Uh, so that's, you know, we've got some Regal cigars uh, kicking around here. We've got some other pipes. We've got some storage 
uh, things that you're going to really like. We've been collecting some really cool things. So this episode and next episode, uh, hour number one and hour number two, rather, uh, not episodes, it's hour number, or it's episode 95, hour number one and hour number two. Uh, but anytime you chime in on anything, you're getting your name in a draw. So you might want to answer a lot of things because we're going to have some cool stuff uh, to give away. That is for sure. This is what I am grooving with, uh, a little uh, pre-roll from Spinach, and uh, it is indeed my jam. Uh, It is Blue Dream. There you see it. Uh, Three uh, little J's uh, that came inside of this. Three half grammars, and uh, this was on sale uh, all May long weekend uh, for you Canadians, and um, I think it's called Memorial Day weekend in the United States, but uh, it's Victoria Day weekend here in Canada, May long weekend, 2-4 weekend, May May 2-4 weekend, uh, comes comes around May 24th, and I used to get a 2-4 and go away to party, and uh, now... If I'm going away, which we aren't right now, but if I was on May long weekend, I'd be grabbing uh, a bunch of uh, weed instead of alcohol. So get my groove on. As mentioned, those were on sale all weekend long at Plant Life uh, locations. So that was a great deal for me to be able to uh, stock up on uh, what is my go-to just, you know, even this morning. Wasn't having a great start to the day for whatever reason. My anxiety, the Okamoka decided to show up and had a little blue dream to calm things down and, you know, got through a couple of rough moments. And I'm not saying it works for everybody, but it does work for me. And and that's the great thing about cannabis is, you know, you can get high and enjoy it, but you can also get healthy by finding what it is that's going to work for you and kind of doing your own self-experimenting. And, you know, start slow if you have never used it before or it's been a long time. Start really, really slow. Talk to your bud tenders. Explain what you're looking at doing. Maybe start with some one-to-ones. It's just a wonderful plant that can help so many things. So now that I've got my groove on with my jam, Mr. Blue Dream, it's time to find out just what is coming down the hash pipe on this episode. David Wiley from the OZ, as usual, will join us for this week in Cannabis News. And we're going to talk about a new print issue for the magazine that they have going. Strange uh, that Mississauga, one of the biggest cities in uh, Canada, does not allow cannabis, but they might do it. Uh, Cannabis and your kids, we're going to discuss that because I think part of this show, uh, to be able to produce this show, is to be able to uh, provide responsible news and be responsible uh, about cannabis uh, and things like that, so... We'll discuss a story about that and something bizarre with the DEA in the United States, Um, you know, quite possibly growing the worst cannabis of all time for research. Malka LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. joins us as usual for the business of cannabis. Malka and I are going to do a live audio chat every Monday on Relevant. So we'll tell you about the details about, I'll tell you the details about that. It'll be uh, two o'clock every Monday, two o'clock mountain time. Uh, So we'll discuss a lot of really cool things. Uh, she's going to talk about the existential crisis with CBD right now, psychoactive versus non-psychoactive, and intoxicant versus non-intoxicant. Our cannabis question is about accessories, and our cannabis characters are a couple of legends uh, from uh, the cannabis entertainment industry. And the weed word of the day, the theme is tea. 
All right, let's now get things going on the program with the cannabis question. It's prize time. (laughs) Chime in on the cannabis question. Okay. And you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Pipe and a grape, bong and a blint. Hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. So the cannabis question this week is, you know, what is your favorite accessory? Uh, what's the one thing you go to, you use it as much as possible? Um, I'm kind of a guy, I go in stages and, you know, um, it's almost like different. Uh, I, I, I create these trends of myself of like, oh, I'm going to just smoke joints for the next three weeks or whatever. Um, but I, 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 I try to mix it up as much as possible. And uh the uh, the Pax Era Pro uh, that I have, uh, and and by the way, we have some engraved Pax Eras from uh, Pax, oddly enough, uh, with the Cannabis One Hundred One Podcast logo on it. I just love the ease of the, uh, the the Pax and the Pax Era Pro. You just like grab your pod, drop it in, and away you go. Uh, you can work the settings. They they have an app. And for a long time, Apple users couldn't use that. But there is a way around that. You can just go through the website, just like if you're uh, uh, looking for a, a store. You know, the Apple app won't allow anything cannabis, so you got to just go use the website, create a home screen. So you can use your app on that. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, this wonderful—I call it the Joint Bus or the Weed Van. Um, you know, you got. Uh, the bowl up top. I got this at the uh, St. Albert uh, Smoke and Munchie Shop on St. Albert Trail. It's very cool. The cool, really cool thing, the choker at the back, when the chamber is so full, it looks like it's actually idling. Uh, so that's a bit of a newer one that I absolutely love. Uh, and I've really got back into my Utilian 5 uh, lately. Um, I, I grabbed something like the, uh, the Blue Dream Click uh, from uh, Original Stash. A stash, rather, because the one thing I am not crazy about with Utilian is it's sometimes hard to load your concentrates with the click. You just click, click, drops it in there, and away you go. Big, big clouds. So I've been getting into kind of that's my accessories that I've been using as of late. Uh, really trying to uh, you know change it up every once in a while, uh, if at all possible. So that is what I'm going with. Uh, I would love to hear from you, though. What is your favorite accessory? As I mentioned earlier, anytime you chime in on this hour or hour number two of episode 95, you go into this massive prize draw. We may have multiple winners. So hit me up, get in on it, and you can win a Cannabis 101 podcast engraved PAX era and some other really cool things that we are going to throw in there. Uh, I, of course, have to say thank you to uh, not just you, the listener and the viewer, because without you, this show would have been pointless. So thank you so much for everybody tuning in uh, each and every week that we've done this and supporting this show. We do hope to be back uh, at some time, uh, whether it's three months, six months down the road, not exactly sure. But we do hope to be back with this show and all the cast of characters that you've come to love. And we appreciate their support. Uh, The OZ, uh, David Wiley, Malcolm LaBelle from The Business of Cannabis, uh, Andre from Regal Cigars. Man, if you haven't had one of these, you got to check it out. Great Edmonton company. 
Thank you to all of our supporters. It's been so much fun. And, and speaking of uh, one of our supporters, it's time to get to This Week in Cannabis News with David Wiley. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Diving into what is making news in the cannabis world with my good friend David Wiley from the OZ, and uh, I got to tell you, David, our area is starting to look uh, almost as green as that picture on the website, OkanaganZ.com, and everybody is starting to get uh, green and beautiful colors and uh, fresh new things as we get past the May long weekend, and we can all start really looking forward to uh, to summer, and something I'm looking forward to is uh, seeing episode three of uh, the the ounce uh, the OZ magazine that you guys have going I was really honored to be able to write something in uh, the, uh, the the past print episode so tell us about what's coming out in volume three yeah it was awesome to have you in the past episode I look forward to having you in future episodes too so we've got the third issue out and I'm really excited about this one it's the biggest one that we've put out yet um, features a, a tour of the Valens companies, K1, K2 facilities in Kelowna, which was a lot of fun. They make about 200 different products there under all kinds of brands. Uh, you probably tried them and haven't even realized it. <laughs> uh, I got to write a, about you uh, getting high in the 17th century and a little bit of uh, a little bit of a history lesson there. Uh, we have a great story by Shiloh Thompson into a, a wedding that happened on 420 2020. Uh, Ryan and Chelsea Hannah's wedding. It's uh, it's amazing, and they they definitely wanted to include a lot of classy, uh, different touches of cannabis. So lots of great pictures in there. Uh, Jenny Newfeld wrote about five yoga poses that are perfect when you're high, and a fantastic piece by Corinne Doan, who's actually Canada's uh, first uh, published author when it comes to a book about cannabis investing. And so she writes uh, in the spot where you were last time around, Dean, basically arguing that uh, punitive laws around cannabis marketing are a full-blown communications crisis. And, you know, this is a, a culmination of three years of work on my end. You know, I do the website, the email newsletter, I have a podcast too. And uh, this magazine has been just, a you know, a labor of love. And uh, I had the chance to drive pretty much up and down the valley this weekend, all the way to Salmon Arm in the north and Oliver down in the south dropping off copies. It's amazing to see, uh, you know, all the different variations and different iterations of, uh, of licensed cannabis stores up and down the valley. I'm sure that you've had this, a similar experience out there in Alberta, Dean. You know, you go into different places and they all look different. They all have a, a touch of their individuality and uh, it's it's really cool to see. So you know, I'm, I'm thankful um, that these uh, the different stores all over are picking up the magazine. And I always ask people to uh, support their friendly local neighborhood cannabis shop because they uh, they're they're essential, as we found out during the pandemic. Salmon Arm. That brings back uh, memories. I've been to Salmon Arm since I was about 10 years old, but uh, I remember when we did stop there, they didn't have cannabis shops back then, but they had a pretty good water slide, <laughs> so I do remember that. And, you know, the um, the the 420 wedding, uh, it just makes me so excited that, you know, we're in a lockdown right now in Alberta, and, and the lockdown this time is different because there are vaccines happening every day, all day, lineups. And so 
at some point, while I'm not saying we're finished with COVID-19, at some point our caseloads are going to come down, the vaccines are going to be increasing, and we're going to get to do things again. And I cannot wait to put together an event, whatever it is, and in you know you you're probably still going to be catering to to different people so you're still going to hire bartenders but i cannot wait to hire bud tenders for an event that uh, i will put on down the road for something and then you know you walk up and you can either have something that's pre-rolled or you can watch somebody roll it for you and and put something together i just think that idea uh, that that you know we're all going to want to get together after all of this i just think those things are going to be so terrific to have yeah, for sure. It was really interesting in that piece. Um, we interviewed the CEO of the uh, the Cannabis Wedding Expo, and there's a lot of stuff happening in, in the wedding industry. Um, a lot of different companies are interested in being part of cannabis, and, and a lot of brides and grooms are interested in bringing cannabis into uh, to become part of their wedding. I mean, I mean, cannabis is such a personal thing. And uh, it's great to see that uh, those who care about it, you truly do care about it. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like uh, you can have cannabis at your event and you don't have to be a cannabis person, but maybe the people that are coming to your event are just because, you know, just, there's lots of people that are non-drinkers. They still hire bartenders for their events. So you have to think about the people that are coming to your event, not just what you want as well. And cannabis is more and more becoming socially normal as it as it should be. So uh, I think that's great. I, I should say socially normal in most places. Um, you know, one of the biggest cities in Canada does not have cannabis. They have a ban on cannabis as we uh, morph into our next story. I couldn't believe this. I could not believe that the sixth biggest city in Canada is deciding whether or not they want to lift their ban on cannabis. Like, how is this How is this possible that there are still places in Canada that have not looked around like New York State did when New Jersey and Pennsylvania and everything else around them and said, we should be in on this? This just blows my mind, David. Uh, you know, this is a sign that things are starting to change. Uh, this literally hits close to home for me. I grew up in Brampton, Ontario, which is mm. the city next door to Mississauga. And I was surprised to find out that they didn't uh, they didn't support having cannabis stores in that municipality. It's it is humongous. There's 725 thousand people that live there, uh, but they are now going to be reconsidering their ban on legal cannabis stores in early June. That's according to MJ Biz Daily. Uh, a little bit of background: Ontario has actually allowed the province's municipalities to choose whether they wanted to opt in to permitting uh, those cannabis stores in their community or whether they wanted to opt out. Um, you know, more than 2 million people in Ontario, about 15% of the province actually lives in one of the, the many municipalities that have banned legal stores. And once the city opts into the province's, uh, uh, cannabis regulatory regime, it's actually not allowed to backtrack on the decision, uh, because by that time, the illegal physical stores are already mm -hmm. established. So that's what, uh, what gave some communities pause and there are actually 70 municipalities in Ontario that have said no. Uh, so, you know, maybe this is something that's going to start toppling them like dominoes. Uh, we got Mississauga councillor Karen Raz. She's actually one of the two councillors who voted to opt in. She told MJ Biz Daily that a staff report's going to be brought into council June 9th. And she said it's going to look basically at uh, areas that have opted in and what their experiences have been. 
um, you know, generally those experiences have been positive and they've had a big impact as we've seen nationally on, uh, on black market stores, um, you know, losing ground, losing business. Uh, of course, if you have a community as big as Mississauga that doesn't have legal stores, hey, you got a bit of a black market problem. And that's, uh, of course, what they're seeing there. And, you know, what, one of the things that this counselor says that I think is really important is why should residents of Mississauga have to go outside of a city that big to get something that's legal? Uh, you know, there, it's easy to regulate with a little bit of oversight, and that's what uh, hopefully will be brought in. Uh, other cities that have opted out, big ones, uh, you've got Markham, Vaughan, Richmond Hill, Oakville, Whitby, Newmarket, and Caledon. And, you know, some of those cities are have more than 300,000 people in them. So there's some, some pretty big zones in Ontario that uh, people who want to access legal cannabis just can't. It's just so wild. Uh, I think that the graphic that we had uh, more than two million people. So it's it's and, and I just compare it to where I am in Alberta and Ontario is the is the most populous province by far in our in our country. But there are four million people in Alberta. So half of Alberta wouldn't have access to cannabis if if they were Ontario yet. There's almost 600 stores here in Alberta. Now, Ontario has surpassed Alberta for the total amount of stores across Canada, but it's just, um, it blows my mind that, uh, you know, I, I'm not surprised that, that maybe places opted out in the first place to see, but that they still haven't opted back in is, is what it is. And, and you're right. Like, that's a massive amount of uh, people that are going to the black market. Uh, so it just, uh, it, it seems like, um, you know, the, they were being cautious at some point, but, you know, how cautious do you, do you need to be? Or almost three years into this. So um, it, it surprises me. And, you know, Albert, Ontario, you know, they have, I think it was like uh, just over 600 stores. There should be way more stores than 600 in Alberta. That's like just like, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to bail out the ocean with a bucket that way. <laughs> Yeah, Ontario really bunked it at the beginning, yeah. and I had that lottery system too, and it just really hindered uh, the rollout of brick and mortar. And what we've been finding um, through statistics released by Statistics Canada is that when you have more brick and mortar stores, obviously you have more legal sales. That's what people want. People want to go and visit these places. Um, so you know, communities are starting to learn that lesson and hopefully we'll see more than just Mississauga and Ontario revisit that decision. Yeah, indeed. All right, uh, you and I talk about uh, cannabis responsibility a lot because I think it very is very much important. I mean, the fun stuff we can have talking about our favorite characters and cultivars, that's great, but if you're going to do uh, a sort of responsible um, reporting and uh, responsible cannabis journalism, you have to talk about uh, people being responsible. And this is an interesting story that you guys have in uh, the OZ about monkey see, monkey do when it comes to cannabis. Yeah, it's a story that actually inspired a conversation between me and my teenage daughter. A team of UBC Okanagan researchers uh, here found that kids who grow up in homes where parents partake in cannabis will more likely uh, use it themselves. And uh, UBC Okanagan, for their research, the team used data from a survey of about 700 students uh, in grades 7 to 9. And uh, that's where previous studies demonstrate that cannabis use actually increases dramatically. Uh, 
basically each year over a three-year period, the students were asked if one or both of their parents used cannabis. If so, how frequently and whether uh, they also used it as kids. Um, and basically, as the students aged, the, their cannabis use began to increase. Um, so parental influence, the study found, is uh, is really a factor, um, one of the most important factors. And the reason that they studied this was they wanted to look at um, prevention programs and how to develop effective prevention programs. Now, I love weed as much as the next person does, you know, but a lot of studies have shown that uh, there's a certain age um, where it's safer to use. Uh, before that, it can it can result in you know, some mental health issues, some substance abuse issues. So we want to make sure that we're having those uh, honest and important conversations with kids. Uh, researchers found that um, what they found with cannabis mirrors closely what's been found in the past with alcohol use, and that basically parental use and a positive view of it really influences the the kids' use. Um, UBCO psychology professor Dr. Marvin Crank, he funded the research and collected the data for the study. Uh, and they found that uh, children of parents who use cannabis have more associations and positive thoughts that quickly come to mind in response to cues associated with cannabis use. And uh, such quick and automatic thinking, he says, influences their choice, uh, often without their awareness. So, so the conversation that I had with my daughter was... Basically, you know, I, I'm very positive about cannabis, uh, as you know, anybody who's listening <laughs> probably knows. And uh, it just reinforced with her that I, I'd love to go out when she's 19 and smoke her first joint with her. Uh, but for now, it's best to lay off and just let her brain form, as they say, um, you know, without any interference. And I think that having those kinds of honest conversations are really important. Uh, I talked not too long ago with... Uh, with those who are involved in something called sensible drug policy which is a program that's been rolling out across the country and they're really changing the conversation when it comes to cannabis and kids they they have very positive conversations with kids about it um, not a fear-mongering that we've seen sometimes in in our youth um, but you know they're they're basically like to liken themselves to uh, potheads talking to potential future potheads and uh, just encouraging responsible use so this this is study i think is something that should really drive that home to parents that uh, these conversations with your kids are really important and your your own behaviors do have an impact uh, on them as well in the future yeah, I think being open about uh, you know our cannabis use as as adults, and and I I have friends who um, they don't uh, use cannabis in front of their kids. They don't tell their kids that they use their that they use cannabis, but they tell their kids like, "Hey, Dean's coming over, so you know there's going to be some uh, pot <laughs> smoke flying around here." You know, these friends are when we go camping. They they don't shy away from it. They just don't. Uh, do it in front of their kids yet for whatever reasons. And, and for one of them, um, you know, their, their, their daughter turned 18 and I asked them before, I said, you know, can we get her a, a, a pre, pre-roll? And so we did. And on her first birthday, we gave her a tricycle. We So we said, on your first birthday, we gave you a tricycle. On your 18th, you get a joint. Don't mix these two together and be responsible. And, and it's just a kind of a way of... Um, you know, not like you said, not not being reefer madness or this is going to be terrible and gateway, but not also, uh, you know, before they're responsible, giving them cannabis. I mean, my dad would tell you, I went away on a trip with a with an older friend of the family one summer 
first time I used cannabis, first time I really drank, and he said I came back and I was a different person. You could, you could tell something had happened, and I and I was 14, 15 years old, so it was too young for me. And and we we do have to, you know, I think cannabis can be great for people when they are ready and they they are mature for it. Uh, but at 14 and 15, it was a mistake. It, you know, I, I look back on it, and and it's too young for kids at that age while still developing to be using cannabis. Uh, you know, I have a similar experience. I, I used too early as well. And um, I was a, a sports, a, a pretty, pretty decent sports player. I played baseball and hockey and found that that really took away from what I was doing at the time. And, uh, you know, I have some some pretty honest and open conversations with my kids about it. What I found is that it just takes the mystery away from it. So, you know, when, when it comes up at school, they already know all about it. And uh, there, there's no easy way to sucker them into trying it because they just, they know what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said for sure. All right, so this next story, um, listen, I'll be honest, uh, there's not a lot of time where I'm looking at the DEA and saying, Good job, DEA. <laughs> like, like, honestly, but this decision that they finally made to end the federal monopoly on growing terrible weed has ended. So I will say good job, DEA, in the U.S. Oh, such a big win for research. And, you know, researchers in the U.S. will finally be able to use, uh, you know, real-world cannabis because uh, uh, currently they've been using LARF, basically, uh, the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, a.k.a. the DEA, announced that uh, in a statement that it was nearing the end of its review of certain marijuana grower applications, thereby allowing it to soon register additional entities authorized to produce marijuana for research purposes. Uh, basically, what that means is that uh, researchers in the U.S. will finally be able to conduct studies using decent weed instead of that crappy low THC garbage that they've been using for decades. If you open up an old High Times magazine from the 1960s, you, you might see some of the some of the ditch weed that they've been using. Uh, you know, it just doesn't give an ap accurate representation for uh, any any of the impact or any of the uh, any of the stuff that they want to know. It's just out of date. Now, and since 1968, the only federally approved supplier of cannabis for research purposes in the U.S. has been a 12-acre farm run by the National Center for the Development of Natural Products at the University of Mississippi. And it's earned a notorious reputation over the years for growing some of the worst cannabis in the world. Um, but now, thankfully, the DA has given preliminary approval to several organizations to grow cannabis for research. And one of three organizations that's been publicly named as approved uh, is Biopharmaceutical Research Company. Uh, so BRC, they're called in California. And interestingly, it's actually run by a former Navy SEAL named George Hodgen. Uh, he says that this is a monumental step from the DEA, and he added that it's going to unleash a new wave of job creation in the cannabis sector and at the same time begin to develop valuable American intellectual property that just wasn't possible before this decision. This is just mind-boggling. I mean, when when you look into this article at some of the uh, the, the links that it has about the 
you know, the issues with the weed. Well, just look at that. Just look at on the screen. Like, I have gotten ditch weed in Mexico that has looked better than that stuff. And that is supposed to be <laughs> the stuff that is growing. I mean, it's just the, the one researcher said it didn't look like cannabis. It didn't smell like cannabis. And, you know, some of the THC levels are way off for what they're, they're studying. I mean, it's unbelievable that this has been going on for as long as it's it's been going on and there's been any any credible research done on this garbage weed my throat's hurting just looking at that picture oh. looks like uh like uh sencha tea really <laughs> yeah not not worth not worth smoking if if i got that out of one of the lp jars i would be very unhappy yeah, exactly. And so the the big winners out of all this, David, are going to be patients and people and researchers because now people are going to grow quality weed. People that care about weed are going to grow quality weed so that other people who care about weed and people are going to do quality research and help the quality of life for somebody else. And we don't have to worry about garbage weed. And like I don't even know how you would accurately study the benefits of weed on something so bad <laughs> yeah it boggles my mind some of those pictures are pretty amazing yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty bizarre. All right, uh, this is it for the next little while. We're going to be taking a break, obviously, here on the Cannabis 101 podcast. But uh, certainly, you have a ton of things uh, going on uh, at the OZ. People can check it out at OkanaganZ.com. You've got, uh, obviously, the, the, the print issue uh, that is uh, out, and uh, you have your podcast going on. We're going to still try and do a few things here and there on uh, Relevant, but uh, certainly, this has been a lot of fun, and I hope to continue doing this uh, uh, you know, in the fall or down the road in, in some way. But uh, over the summer, uh, people can find us uh, the odd time on the, the relevant app. And this has been a lot of fun learning all these uh, interesting stories that you brought forward each and every week. Uh, 95 episodes in here on this one. Uh, for sure. Well, Mr. Podcast, you uh, you add a lot to the cannabis industry and and uh, it's a it's a big loss losing you for a little while. So make sure you come back, please. For sure, indeed. And people can find all the information that they need, www.okanaganz.com. Thanks as always, David. Thank you. from the artist sorry about your dog great great uh, cannabis musician for sure and i want to tell you about the cannabis and hemp expo uh this unfortunately has been postponed a few times Whenever it happens, hopefully we'll be there uh, on location uh, broadcasting episodes. You can check out more details at CannabisHempExpo.com. 
And uh, as I said, uh, whenever this event happens, uh, we hope to be on location broadcasting uh, episodes and meeting many of the cannabis fans, uh, at the very least the cannabis fans uh, that are in uh, the Edmonton area. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your stoner. <laughs> and beyond. It's a blue. Be careful with that, man. Uh, is it heavy stuff, man? <laughs> All right, so the cannabis character uh, I am going with today is cannabis characters um, because they are just legendary. And you heard actually some of the clips you're going to hear again. So um, the guy who does the weed song and the marijuana song, him and I dressed up as these guys one time. They were such a big influence in our lives. And, of course, I'm talking about these two guys right here. Uh, Cheech and Chong, man. Uh, I, I if, if this was, for whatever reason, my last show and we didn't end up coming back, I would want to go out with these guys. We're going to be back, and we're going to get past 100 episodes and all that fun stuff. But as I take a break, I really wanted to celebrate, uh, you know, two of the guys that are responsible for me being such a fan of cannabis and, you know, not just a fan of using it recreationally, uh, but I'm a fan of it uh, medically. Uh, but these are the guys who sparked my interest in it. Pardon the pun. Uh, so I wanted to pay tribute to these two guys. And I wanted to, I was trying to think like, how do I narrow it down to some of my favorite scenes? And, you know, I think the kind of the very first scene that we ever see Cheech and Chong together in a movie is kind of the the one that I picked, where uh, if you haven't seen Up in Smoke, uh, Cheech uh, picks up what he thinks is a very busty lady hitchhiking, and it turns out it's Chong dressed as a woman, false advertising, he says. Um, and then they go on this uh, crazy uh, adventure together in all these amazing movies. So I thought it was fitting to use the first scene that we see Cheech and Chong together uh, to celebrate uh, Cheech and Chong, played by Tommy Chong and Cheech Marin, as our cannabis characters on episode 95. Hey, you want to get high, man? This how they do they got wooden balls, man. I got a joint here, man. I've been saving for a special occasion. Hijo de la chingada. Is that a joint, man? <laughs> I got that. It looks like a, a quarter pounder, man. <laughs> Let's blow. Man, be careful with that shit, man. Uh, is it heavy stuff, man? <laughs> Will it blow me away? <laughs> put your seatbelt on, man. I think that much. I've been smoking since I was born, man. I can smoke anything, man. You know, like I smoked that Michoacan, man, Acapulco Gold, man. I even smoked that tight stick, you know? Tight stick? Yeah, you know, that stuff is tied to a stick, you know? Oh, yeah, tight stick. Yeah, that didn't even do nothing to me, man. I could probably smoke this whole joint, man, and still walk away, man. Wouldn't be no problem at all, man. Talk, talk it up, man. <laughs> Kind of grabs you by the boo boo, don't it? Yeah, what's in this shit, man? Mostly Maui Wowie, man. Yeah? 
but it's got some Labrador in it. What's Labrador? It's dog shit. What? Yeah, my dog ate my stash, man. I had it on the table and the little motherfucker ate it, man. Yeah? So I had to follow him around the little baggie for three days before I got it back. It really blew the dog's mind. You mean we're smoking dog shit, man? Oh. The the great line after that is, I uh, wonder what Great Dane tastes like, as Cheech says. So there you go. The legends. Um, you know, the, the godfathers of cannabis entertainment. There is some terrific cannabis movies and some amazing cannabis characters out there. And they all owe a thanks to those two guys. Because those two guys were doing it when uh, it, 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 they went after the, the U.S. government years later went after Tommy Chong because he was a celebrity in cannabis and they threw him in jail. So these guys did it when it wasn't legal uh, like it is now in a lot of places. Uh, it was uh, just, a, a, you know, if, if you were smoking cannabis, then you were just, le- le- you know, it was reefer madness. So they did it at the height of reefer madness. And so. Cheech Marin, Tommy Chong, really, I, I'd love to see, as much as I love their movies, and, and I've watched them all, I'd like to see a movie about them. I'd like to see a biopic about how Cheech and Chong came together. Like Tommy Chong was born in Edmonton, right close to where I am. Uh, you know, ended up uh, out in Vancouver at different times, was in some bands, and then they, they hooked up. It would be amazing to see them coming together the breakup that happened for so many years, and then they, they're back together touring again. Uh, I would love to see that, and I think that'd be great, uh, finding two young, uh, funny uh, actors to play Cheech and Chong and the various people in their lives as well. So uh, tribute to Cheech and Chong, Tommy Chong and Cheech Marin, uh, this week on Cannabis Characters. <laughs> is the business of cannabis a joint venture between the green generation co and the cannabis 101 podcast bringing you the latest bud biz buzz Diving into the world of the business of cannabis now with Malcolm LaBelle of the Green Generation Co. And you can find out how Melka can help you in the world of cannabis, the world of just being green. www.greengencompany.com. As I uh, bring in Malcolm LaBelle, uh, how was your May long weekend? Did you, uh, did you see any snow as we sometimes do? No snow, but a ton of rain. We, is, we are soaked down in Calgary. I mean, it's needed, but I hope it dries up enough for it to be useful for farming and all that good stuff. But what I did see was that, uh, you know, a lot of the I, the dust, it had been so dry around here. There's almost like a dust bowl. So things are starting to really green up, which is beautiful. So definitely what it means to be green this week is it's green from the, all the rain coming down. Yeah, no doubt. And in you know, a lot of places battling those uh, wildfires certainly could use the extra moisture for them. And, you know, that's just when, when we get such an early melt like we did, it just brings in the, uh, the possibility of those wildfires. So the moisture was much needed for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're ever thinking you can get through a May long weekend without any kind of precipitation, that you have not <laughs> been living in the prairies 
uh, no. for very long. All right, okay. let's get to the lead topic today, and um, you're you're calling it the existential crisis of CBD. And the question yeah. is, is it psychoactive? Yeah, so we, we talk about this a lot in terms of just common uh, language, but the thing is, is that it's not properly used. So this is a point about, you know, labeling, branding and wording and how using the words not totally accurately is having sort of some ramifications around that. So what I mean by that is, you know, we talk about CBD as being non-psychoactive. Well, that's actually not true at all. Um, the definition of, of psychoactive isn't actually what CBD does affect, but just in sort of the positive aspects of it. So the word psychoactive, I checked several different sources as well. I quoted Raphael McCullum, who I got the privilege to interview, and, you know, Oxford Dictionary, Wikipedia, Merriam-Webster, World Health Organization, as well as the DSM-4, or 5, I guess, the most recent publication for medical diagnostics and psychiatry, all use psychoactive in the same way, as well as equivalent with psychotropic, which I actually didn't consider, is that it's a chemical is considered psychoactive when it acts primarily on the central nervous system and alters brain function, resulting in temporary changes in perception, mood, consciousness, or behavior. So that's the definition. And by definition, 100% CBD does that, but in, to the positive benefits of it, not to the negative. So when we say it's not psychoactive, it is. It does all of those things, and it's supposed to, and it's very good for that. But it doesn't have the uh, resulting in the negative or intoxicating effects, which result in obvious cognitive alterations or withdrawal effects. In a sense, CBD is psychoactive, but it doesn't have the parts about the psychoactivity that make it harmful or cause bad judgment or cause co cognitive alterations that have you know, co uh, negative effects. So that is the, the definition of what it means to be uh, psychoactive. But so it's true, cannabis CBD is psychoactive, but it's non-intoxicating. Yeah, and, and I think that's, um, um, you, I think the way to, ex, uh, uh, kind of an easy, simplified way to explain it to somebody who doesn't understand that, but maybe knows about beer, is that there's uh, alcoholic beer and there's non-alcoholic beer. And the non-alcoholic beer uh, is going to give you the same taste that you that you like with beer, um, you know. And and uh, I, I used to drink a lot of beer, and I don't drink very much beer now. And I I do drink some non-alcoholic beers every once in a while, uh, just because I feel like a cold beer on a hot day. But you know, I, I just don't uh, alcohol in me, and my mental health don't go so well, so I I skip that. But I still get the taste and. That's a very simplified explanation of, of explaining to somebody that you're going to take this. You're not going to feel the same thing as this other person that's going to take this, just like uh, two different beers with alcohol levels. Kind of simplifying it. I'm not sure where yeah. you sit on that. So I'm going to go towards the medical components because more commonly we're seeing that CBD is being explained as a medical or medical wellness supplement or ingredient. And this is why it's harmful is that when you talk about something being non-psychoactive, um, you're expecting it's going to have like no effect. And that's just the perception of how we talk about things in language, not necessarily in, in anything else. But in talking about the subject matter with a lot of people, particularly in the U.S. that are marketing products with CBD in them, they use the definition of non-psychoactive on their labeling. And, mm. and I, found, I found too many examples to show. So I basically just tried to sum it up with the chart that I found here, 
which is that it is psychoactive and it's being described as not psychoactive for the purposes of, of packaging, labeling, and not in Canada. I'm talking about the US and this is why it's a problem because in Canada, we still treat CBD like THC with these standards and rigor that would make it, you have to accurately label things and you can't make claims around them. So therefore you cannot say it's psychoactive or non-psychoactive because it's considered a health warning and a risk. So what we're dealing with in Canada is the sort of this mass assumption that, you know, in other places, CBD is safe. And I'm, I'm going to say it is safe uh, overarchingly, but it's for a different reason that we do things in Canada and in the U.S. And what's happening is the U.S. version is sort of is getting more exposure, more dominance in the global language. And it's essentially wrong. And it's wrong to the point that it could harm the entire industry because it's not accurately depicting what its benefits are. And it can't talk about its benefits, so it just says that's non-psychoactive, if any of that made sense. <laughs> you no, know, it, it does. What's the solution? So here's the thing, is that what's happening is that there's sort of a divergence in thought, and the thoughts are seeping into the Canadian regulatory space. And there's a large dominance of, of thinking that we should consider CBD like a natural health food item, where that it doesn't have the rigor in how it's studied and how it's processed and how it's regulated like THC is. And that's what's happening in the US is that these, these things are being considered sort of more normal, like natural health products, and they're found everywhere, and they don't need as much rigor. And I'm going to say, I don't think that's true. I think we still need to study this a bit more before we de determine that yet. And it needs more education. It needs more education uh, to the consumer and to the marketers of the cons uh, for the consumer facing goods, because the, the death is in the details of how it's marketed. And one word does not mean the same everywhere. And so that's what I mean is the education around the consumer marketing and consumer facing information needs more. That's what needs more rigor. That's what needs more standards is how we communicate these things so that they're consistent no matter where they are. Okay, so final one on this one. If somebody were to ask you, what's going to happen when I take this CBD? Am I going to get high? What would your answer be? I mean, it depends on what you define as high. Right. Our last episode, I had several yeah. different versions of high. Right. So, yeah, if you want to feel euphoric, like you're high up in the world, like on the top of a mountain, definitely take CBD. If you want to feel relaxed, comfortable, enjoying what you're doing, definitely take CBD. You know, if you want something that's not going to be able that doesn't prevent you from driving, but still makes mm -hmm. you feel fantastic. Definitely CBD. Yeah. <laughs> that and, and, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. That's the great thing is that, yeah. you know, uh, I think cannabis can be for everyone, but certain mm -hmm. components uh, like maybe THC is not for one person, but CBD is so, and, and maybe cannabis isn't for everybody. Maybe there's people that yeah. just are like, you know what? It's just not for me. The CBD doesn't work. And, and that's fine. Like just like everything isn't for everybody, but there are for different sure. definitions just like, you know, you and I could sh uh, smoke the same cultivar and get totally different uh, effects from it because we're all a little bit different. So um, it, it is kind of yeah. individualized for a lot of people. And, and it is. And it, yeah. So what, what they experience. Point. That's the last point about the Raphael McCullum. So why I put his picture in here. He studied this obviously at length and is getting, you know, he's a, a Nobel Prize nominee for discovering the endocannabinoid system and the THC and the CBD receptors because they are an individual body system that is different for every body. His takeaway of his research and what he said to us is that I want to be known for discovering a new system in the body that has effects on everything, that affects everything. And it's an individual part of your body that does literally play into everything you do, 
and just hasn't been, it doesn't, we don't know about it yet. I first discovered it 30 years ago. So that was his takeaway was, this is what he wants to be known for. We're just at the beginning of figuring out the amazing parts of the plant and our body because it is so individual to each person. Yeah, what a wonderful discovery. All right, uh, what do you got going for a change maker this week? So this week I talked about Elisa Sherman uh, and Elementa. And essentially this is, an, I'm sort of on the U.S. track today, but I, I learned about Elementa actually through a Canadian uh, group that I went to because Elementa is sort of like an, a, a women focused um, cannabis education uh, product and, and lifestyle like group, I guess you could say. So Lisa Sherman is the founder and she, this is what she looks like. (laughs) Here's a picture of her. She actually lives in Alaska and she founded this group, I think in like 2013, like a long time ago uh, when they were just sort of discovering CBD as an early ingredient, medicinally speaking. So she founded Elementa and it's essentially, essentially started, sorry, founded as an, as a community. She was building a community of women in, that had chapters in different cities around the U.S. that were just talking about the plant and about CBD and about all the different ways you could use it and how it's amazing for women and all the parts about women that men don't have. Like she was creating a community around a concept that was incredibly deeply uh, passionate to herself as well as her other people that she was with. And so her business has essentially very much thrived in this space. Um, they don't make any specific products that are, I guess, Elementa branded, but they do have some books. So there's, she's written several books. Um, and then there's all these other workshops. And they basically just endorse products. So now they're at the stage where they're a mass marketing engine for a very sticky demographic of people uh, that are worldwide and they have chapters worldwide. And with, with the pandemic, they've moved everything online, which is incredibly easy for them to do. And and I believe they got a big investment from a hedge fund. I remember they were looking for raising money or something a while back. But I wanted to point her out because she is embodying the three, I'm going to say, successful rules of breaking the cannabis stigma. And those are don't use the word cannabis in your name or anything you do. So there's no part of this of this uh, of the main part of the top of her website that says that they're doing stuff with cannabis. It's about CBD, health and wellness. And two, meet people where they are in life. So this is another big stigma breaker we've spoken about before is if you can't address where people are in their own understanding of their life and their self, then you're never going to be successful at reaching them out to changing their beliefs on something. So she's done a really good job of building a tribe and a business and everything around meeting women where they're at in their life stage um, and their own life and body, you know, persons. And because she is one of the people that fits in her own demographic, that brings me to point number three, which is be authentic. As she is a, a, a part of the tribe to which she is targeting her message and her products uh, or the ones that she endorses. And that's incredibly important not just for her, but for anyone marketing anything. If you're trying to sell something to somebody and you're not part of the group that you're trying to sell to, you will likely not be successful. And if you are, you have someone that you know very close to that is part of that group. And I could go on forever about examples of why that hasn't worked and where it has. And this is a really important, a big piece about what's missing in the cannabis sector and really any marketing success is people don't address the fact that if you're not part of the group that you would actually, that would actually buy this product, then you have not reached out and proven that your product is good for that that market yet. Anyways, mm. yeah, it's uh, it's it certainly seems like they've uh, hit on a market and and they're you know yeah. built up enough of a reputation where they can 
recommend products. I'm not a huge fan of uh, the don't use cannabis and your name or company. Um, what's going on right now? I I just I I you know I just don't agree with it. I think we need to shout out cannabis from the rooftops. So um, oh, yeah, I I, I just I, I don't that, I, yeah I just don't <laughs> like that we have to do that. We don't. We don't. I'm not saying you have to. I'm saying it's right now it's needed for breaking down cannabis stigma in highly stigmatized populations, not in general, but for the purpose of her group, they are, that group would be the kind of people that don't touch me with a 10 foot pole unless you're a doctor. So this is a concept was those people that are toward of, of that thought sometimes don't need it to know that it starts with cannabis to gain acceptance of it. And that's just... That's, I'm just saying that as what I've seen has been successful. I'm not saying it mm. is the way it should be, Dean. Trust me, I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm right. just saying that's, it's an all, that's what I'm saying. Crazy. I just, I just yeah. I don't like that that has to happen right now. Like right. it's, yeah. you know, that's almost feeding into the stigma when we're, yeah. uh, when we have to hide it. So hopefully that changes soon because that's really unfortunate that we can't reach our, our uh, uh, shout from the rooftops about uh, these things because there are people that uh, will not get involved. And, and you know, there'll be a time where we don't need those people involved, but mm-hmm. unfortunately for right now, the way the industry is, uh, that's, that's what it has to be. Uh, all right. What about what it means to be green? We talked about how everything is so green and beautiful after that mm-hmm. white stuff fell, uh, and all the rain that we had, but what are you going with today with what it means to be green? Yeah. So this is a, I guess a, a client uh, that I'm working with, uh, or they're putting together a business plan around a green heart organics. It's, it's about it. It's, it's called, I didn't know what the term was when I had seen this before. So I guess what I liked about it is that this is, this is a kind of technology or guess type of growing that is really, really good that I didn't know what it was called. So it's called the hybrid light depth organic micro cultivation method. So hybrid light depth is the kind of lighting system. And here you can see um, it's like a greenhouse that has shades. So the shades mm. pull over when uh, you want more dark and pull back, retract when you want more light. Essentially, it's like instead of having a bunch of lights, which are incredibly expensive and high energy consumption and incredibly wasteful sometimes, this is a way to use natural light but control the natural light so that it's more pro- uh, productive for the plants. So that's what this is called. Is This, this group is employing this method. Um, I've seen it in lots of different places, but this, this is being done in Canada, so it's kind of exciting. Um, and the science of this is really around botany and horticulture. So this has nothing to do with cannabis. It's just a new plant to try it on. Um, there's a ton of research and science around the optimal wavelengths of light and the optimal um, amount of light and time on and time off that has been studied for decades under botany and horticultural programs in university masters and PhD levels around the globe. Cannabis is just a new way to try it in a new, uh, with a new plant. And cannabis is a new green. So essentially it's a new vegetative mm. plant, which again, there's not, not all plants vegetate, but in this case, the vegetative state is one that's necessary to understand and control for the purpose of growing good cannabis. Um, and yeah, and so the, the hybrid light deprivation model is controlling the amount of light coming to the, uh, to the plants. Um, and also there's a lot of other plants that we do this already that are part of our, I would say our salad table or our, our our, um, you know, fresh produce area. So if you think of things like um, eggplant, or have you ever seen any white vegetables, like white asparagus or white eggplant, there's actually quite a few hmm. breeds of things where essentially they're controlling the amount of light that's hitting the plant, and therefore that is affecting its uh, color, its pigmentation. Right. 
don't know. Have you ever seen that before, Dean? No, I've never actually seen uh, anything other than green asparagus. So, but you know what? I did. I had never seen purple carrots before at one point either. So, uh, you know, and and when I was a kid, I thought all cheese was orange. So, uh, and, and came in slices. So it's amazing how your uh, your world can open up. I'm really, but the, but that does make sense. You're just controlling yeah. uh, the color in the. Uh, you know, you're still getting the same taste and and everything. You're just a different color. Yeah. Yeah, and so and uh, yeah, that does actually affect the taste. They actually sometimes a very different taste, but that's kind mm. of a, it's a cool experiment that they've been studying for a long time in other vegetables, but it's new with cannabis. So uh, or re- relatively new. The other piece to this is the living soil. So um, we talk about you know we've obviously talked to our friends over at your uh, you have talked to uh, your friends over at Seven Acres for about respect the plant, and mm-hmm. this is what this means is that the plants grow in soil that's incredibly living. So it has lots of organisms. You know, all these different creatures living in a microbiome level that mm-hmm. make it grow and are incredibly organic and healthy for the plants. Um, and that's respecting the actual natural ecosystem that's needed for plants to grow. Before we were here, plants were here. So plants have been around way much longer than people. Um, and somehow they managed to survive and thrive. And I think we need to respect that. And we should look at that as a source of how do we do it better as we look at how nature has already done it. And and we're not we're not even close to figuring that out yet, mm. but it's kind of a fun thing to try. Um, but yeah, this is kind of what I'm talking about is this group has put together both a lighting mechanism as well as the organic growing systems. And we're seeing this more and more. There's really not any IP around this. It's very much an open source concept. And yeah, the first... Um, we, corporations weren't the first ones to invent growing plants, uh, but they um, have the opportunity now to mimic how it's done in the real world. And the real world is the best place to do it. So let's keep it up. Well, that, that's kind of the goal. Like I, I am the farthest thing from a, a green thumb, um, but you're trying to replicate what this plant would get growing in the in the real world is is kind of, I, I would imagine, what you're trying to do. And the thing that kind of excites me about this sort of um, operation is that, you know, uh, you know, whatever companies can do it, and, you know, I, I love the respect, the plant that you worked in there, uh, because I think that is the, the number one thing. Before you start growing anything, you need to have respect for that plant and, and be in it for the right reasons. But this is something that, you know, big-scale operators could do, or a person at home could put together their own little mini kind of greenhouse with their four plants and try to grow it that way using the light. And and, and I think that's great because, as you said, sometimes lights are, are expensive and they cost mm-hmm. a, a lot of money to get set up. Uh, I'm sure there's some affordable ones, but some people, they just they just want to do it naturally or they don't have the room or the space in their house to do lighting and the cost. So this is really interesting from um, uh, you know an LP perspective, but also the home grower perspective as well. Yeah, it actually, so like looking out my window here, my neighbors are doing this in their backyard. So they built a, a greenhouse. That's very common actually in Canada because yeah. you, don't, you don't need a lot of space. Like four plants is not not very big. Right. So there's all these people that you can see. You probably do a good drone uh, drone experiment <laughs> and fly over Southwest Calgary and see how many you can see. But they're, it's obvious. Like they're little greenhouses or almost like tent greenhouses. So they're using natural light and then they're, they're just supplementing it. So like at nighttime, his lights are on for a couple of hours and I can see them at night. Uh, you know, my daughter complains, she closes the blinds, but really I'm happy that he's doing it. It's like, great. Like all the yep. power you can. And so it's cool. You're right. It's actually, and it's not that hard to figure out too. It's sort of like you, you grow it once and it works You do it again. Hey, great. If you don't try it differently. So it's, it's a fun experiment and there's sort of one of those, if you do it with the sunlight, you're not having to have the cost involved. So it's actually 
is it can be very, very uh, cost benefit from a business perspective, very profitable for yourself. And that's a great thing that, you know, we don't need to be produced in scale to reach, reap the benefits of the plant and respect it in our own way. Yeah. And there are so many helpful, um, you know, there's a lot of helpful videos out there, but there's a lot of people that are just in the cannabis community that you can reach out to on, you know, whether it's whatever social media you're on or you join some groups and some different people that just want to help you. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm talking about like the, the people that you wanted to ask a question. Uh, I, I'm not a big Reddit person. I find, no. um, Reddit can be a little bit nasty <laughs> at times, but there's a lot of people just, uh, in the, in in the cannabis growing space that want to share and want to help and want to kind of pay it forward 100%. that you can get a bunch of tips from do it in a cheap way and, and have such a cool sense of accomplishment. hundred percent. And yeah, actually pretty much everybody you know is going in their home is doing with the support of, like you said, people that they have met in the community and are more than willing to share their tips and tricks just because they want people to be successful, not because they're yeah. trying to keep something away from them. So that community is huge and it's very easy to find them and they, they put themselves out there with the free tips and advice. And it's great. Like I love that about here about Canada because we can be open about this knowledge and not keep it to our chest because it's, it isn't, competitive it's open source plants yeah. go everywhere so just share the love and it's legal like there's some people that are afraid to share their knowledge because of where they are but in canada you can grow up to four plants at home so it's totally legal so i absolutely love it i absolutely also love that we're going to continue our conversations on relevant as you mentioned so people just need to download the app uh head to weedopedia and join the cannabis 101 podcast vibe we're going to have our chats on uh, monday around 2 p.m uh, and it's going to be just a bit more of an open uh, format and, you know, people might have some questions that they might want to ask about different things, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Uh, you know, this has been so much fun uh, doing this every week with you here on the podcast. Uh, this is episode 95, but as I mentioned before, I need to take some uh, time off for the other part of my career that's uh, blowing up right now and I hope to get back into this format at some point. And, and until then, we'll keep the conversations going and get the latest bud biz buzz on relevant thank you so much malka thank you so much dean this has been fantastic you betcha and you can find out how malka can help you at www.greengencompany.com this is the cannabis 101 podcast it's all part of the cannabis life experience turning the wheel of cannabis Talk at a time. <sighs> All right, there's the contact information on the screen there, and you can also head to the Cannabis 101 Podcast website. That's www.cannabis. 101podcast.ca. You can get in on the Weed Weekly. Not sure how much we're going to be doing. We'll have to periodically. It might be a more of a, a, a Weed Monthly uh, throughout the summer. But uh, if there's any announcements about the show, you'll get it uh, in in that way. Uh, so anything, any news about the show will come right to your inbox. So a pretty good way to keep in touch with the podcast and what we're doing um, and when we'll be back and, and all those details. But while we're not doing the podcast version, we are going to be doing a lot of stuff on Relevant. Uh, so that's basically where we're moving the show to for the summer in, in kind of just segment, smaller format, 
only audio and and you can listen to it uh, on your phone you can uh, tune in we're gonna have some live audio chats that we're going to be doing with people and so we'll be scheduling them so uh, you just download the app r-e-l-e-v-n-t head to weedopedia and then search for the cannabis 101 podcast vibe we've got a message board we post pictures questions and uh, I posted the episodes now, but we'll be doing live audio chats, Q&As. You could participate. This is the thing I'm really looking forward to is I can only go back and forth on social media with you guys right now. But in this format, you can actually talk with me, ask me questions. On, we can get to know each other and learn things uh, from our guests. So it's going to be really, really cool. All you do is download the app, R-E-L-E-V-N-T, Head to Weedopedia and then the Cannabis 101 podcast vibe, and you're in the business. Malka's going to join us every Monday at 2 o'clock. Uh, going to get Chris Ionson on there, some other fun guests, and uh, really uh, just explore cannabis in a more casual and definitely a live way. So really looking forward to hanging out with you guys um, a lot more and chatting a lot more on Relevant. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, tie stick, salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel L. Jackson, the Hobbit's Leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. All right, for this uh, segment of Weed Word of the Day, and if you don't know what we do, I give you one slang word and one industry standard word, uh, and just try to educate a little bit more. I'm going with uh, the slang word is something that I used, uh, so a little bit uh, a little bit more personal uh, for this one for me, and I, I always love the term tree, uh, because as you look at, uh, you know, you don't always want giant stems, but sometimes you get those stems, and they kind of look like a little cannabis tree. Uh, it's a more play on Mother Nature and the leaf, uh, but that's what, uh, one of the words that I, I love to use. I don't call it as much anymore because we used to talk about it in sort of code uh, when we were growing up uh, just to make sure nobody was hearing what we were talking or things like that if we were on the phone. And uh, even even as you got older and it wasn't legal, uh, you know, good code words on uh, text messages if we ever thought anybody could intercept that thing, those things or messages. So tree was always kind of a slang word that we used. I loved PR, to be like for pre-rolls for my buddy. Be like, hey, I'd be rolling into Calgary uh, and just, you know, send a text as soon as you get to the city limits and be like, have a couple of PRs uh, and, and probably some PBRs uh, that we would do as well in in that instance, but have some PRs ready for us. Some pre-rolls and PBR beers and uh, sitting in the sun. Not much better than that. Uh, as for the standard term, this is a term I had no idea about before I started this show. Uh, so it's interesting. I get a lot of feedback from people that say, oh, my God, you're, you're teaching me so much about uh, this or you must know so much. And I'm like, yeah, you think so. You would think I'd know so much. But I'm, I'm actually learning just as much as uh, uh, you gals and guys out there that are tuning into this show. I had no idea what a terpene was. My And I've said this a lot of times, probably too many times that my cannabis knowledge used to be, here's $50, give me the weed, I'm going to get high. And then I started learning about terpenes. So I'm going to tell you what I know uh, about what a terpene is from my knowledge, not reading from a book or a website, but they're the aromatic oils in cannabis that make up the smells, 
Um, and, and I think when you're when you're tasting different things from the terpenes, caryophyllene has that spicy, peppery taste. Uh, they are part of the entourage effect that includes uh, cannabinoids, THC, CBD, um, and uh, there are some terpenes that also are cannabinoids, like caryophyllene, that have some medicinal effects. Uh, potential medicinal effects so uh, terpenes are very important uh, a lot of people want to get away from indica hybrid uh, sativa and just say based on terpenes uh, because the other thing is that cannabis is very different um, you know there's some general things that we expect most people will get but it also can be very individualized because of the endocannabinoid system so I love, uh, you know, looking and I love going and shopping for cannabis based on terpenes. I, I really appreciate uh, the, the re- different retail stores that have that information uh, because, uh, you know, whether it's an indica or a hybrid or, an, or a sativa, I'm looking at it as, oh, it has this much of, of uh, caryophylline or it has this much uh, myrcene or it has maybe this much limonene. And, and I know what those particular terpenes are for me. So that's where I talk a lot about having to kind of personalize your own cannabis and, and do your own research and find out what works for you. So that's what a terpene is. Um, and there's so much good cannabis information out there. So if you are new to the show, please Please, uh, you know, check it out. Uh, Google, ask the bud tenders. They are a great source of information. And uh, they're kind of like the, uh, the the cannabis frontline workers as far as uh, education and, and things like that. So lean on your bud tender. If I have any kind of parting uh, words for anybody, it is that you should lean on your bud tender very hard. So tree and terpene are your weed words of the day. The cannabis life experience. It's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy. Turning the wheel of cannabis one toke at a time. All right, that's it for episode 95, hour number one. Uh, thank you very much for watching, subscribing, uh, all the support that you, the listener and the viewer, have uh, given me over the uh, past uh, two years. This is ironically the two-year anniversary of when we did our uh, first episode. How strange is that? When I'm recording this, uh, that that is. So it's very, very strange. That first episode we had... Uh, Grant Sanderson of Nova Cannabis was uh, a guest. It was amazing. Chris Ionson, who was also then of Nova Cannabis, now with Plant Life, uh, way back then. So hopefully many more episodes to go when we get back at it. Uh, but if you'd like to check out uh, some of those past episodes, uh, check out cannabis101podcast.ca. Uh, you can find uh, our old episodes, the very first one where we were audio only. You can also subscribe to the Weed Weekly and uh, at the very least know all the details about when uh, we do get back into business. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you'd if you like to be a part of the show still, uh, but as we do things on Relevant, if you think you'd make a great guest on Relevant and join us there, uh, or if you'd like to join us as a partner uh, through our, uh, our show uh, and segments on Relevant, uh, we can customize a lot of cool things. Please hit me up, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that is cannabis101podcast at gmail.com, or you can get us uh, through the contact page on the Cannabis 101 Podcast. That is cannabis101podcast.com. 
www.thepowerhour.ca. So lots of cool things going on. Uh, If you're interested in other shows, you can check out podcastalley.ca. That's where I have uh, some really cool interview shows, uh, some some past uh, shows that uh, aren't exactly happening right now, but uh, still have some cool guests that you might enjoy. And then uh, have a lot of fantasy and uh, NHL draft uh, production going on there as well. A lot of that can be found at podcastalley.ca. All right, hour number two comes out on Wednesday featuring Josh Wong of RGB Cannabis. That'll be our feature interview. And, of course, Chris Science and Plant Life Cannabis Regional Manager. We're going to do something from Good Buds uh, because they are some good buds on our final one. As mentioned, podcastalley.ca and cannabis101podcast.ca is where you can find any past episodes of this or any of the other shows that we have going on big thanks to david wiley and malcolm labelle uh for the past uh, 95 or so episodes that they've been a part of it's been a blast chatting with them we're going to try to continue it on relevant as much as we possibly can uh, with them as well thank you the listener and the viewer one more hour to go on wednesday and then we'll take a bit of a break remember it's not just about getting high it's about getting healthy And as we always do, we leave you with the marijuana song from the artist Sorry About Your Dog. He's the guy who dressed up as uh, this guy. I was Cheech. Sorry About Your Dog was Chong. Have yourselves a great week in cannabis. Check us out on Relevant, and we'll talk on Wednesday.